welcome to the At Peace Parents podcast. I'm Casey, and I'm here to empower you in your decision-making as a parent of a demand-avoidant child. My goal is to share insights that will generate aha moments and support your connection with your child. I'm a mom of two amazing little boys, one of whom is PDA, and I've worked with hundreds of parents just like you to teach them how to lead their child out of burnout and find the clarity, peace, and sense of community they need. Today, I wanted to talk about a question that I get all the time, and that's really, really hard for me to answer on Instagram or on TikTok unless I go live because it is a complex question, but there is an answer to it. And so I wanted to share this with you guys and I'll upload it to the the tiles if, if the noise isn't too bad. So the question I always get is, if we lower demands, if we accommodate our child by not using rewards and sanctions because, you know, they are not picking up after themselves, not saying please and thank you, being rude to us. Hi. How are they going to how are they going to learn? Right? So like it's all good and well that we're doing this in order to get them out of burnout and it's all good and well that we're doing this to accommodate them, but like how will they learn? to operate within a family system, within a community, within an educational or professional context? And this is an awesome question, but it's it's based on the logic of what we're doing. So lowering demands is not a free-for-all. It's not a like, we just don't do anything at all. And now the parents are hands off. And I want to talk about that logic because I, when I coach parents and work with them in my programs, understanding this logic really gives them a lot of solace and sort of a north star to work towards. Okay. So often the premise of this question is, if I don't teach them when they are speaking to me rudely, not saying please and thank you, not picking up the Twix wrapper that they threw on the ground, how will they ever learn? Right? How will they learn right from wrong? How will they learn how to exist in the world, right? And the first thing I want to say is often they already know. And this is what can be so confusing is that they already have skills and understanding that they actually just can't access because where they are operating from is their survival brain, okay? This is a moment-to-moment thing for my son because he's now in equilibrium. He's in in a very accommodated environment. However, when he was in burnout, he was constantly in his limbic system or his survival brain. And that part of the brain can't connect with safe and social with you, can't process rational information, and can't access skills. And so the task becomes for parents and our support teams to accommodate and lower demands and let go of things in order to continually make the choice to get the child back into the survival brain where they can either access skills like throwing away a Twix wrapper or learn, right? So so my like logic is always thinking about choice points as a parent. I'm either activating or accommodating my child's nervous system, right? And that it's a really hard radical acceptance type of thing to wrap your mind around. However, when we do that, we do realize our own agency because we have a decision to make, right? And if we understand that the long game 
is to get your child out of their survival brain, especially if they're in burnout, and keep them in their thinking brain so they can access their heart space and their rational thought and learn, right? And so the paradox and the counterintuitive approach is rather than giving rewards and sanctions in response to a behavior we we don't like, right? That's hard as a parent. We're switching from a logic of like, I need to teach them to, I need to get them into the part of their brain where they can even learn and observe and process, right? And so it's a very different logic of the long game is keeping them in their frontal lobe, keeping them out of their survival brain. And this doesn't stop when your child, you know, leaves burnout after recovery with your family um, because you're still in that choice point of, am I activating? Am I accommodating? And, and what develops is a window of tolerance so that when your child does activate because they perceive a loss of autonomy or equality, it doesn't push them right into like fight flight or disabling them from accessing basic needs. And so I want to give you an example of this from today, from my life today, right? So, you know, from the outside for you guys, you're probably like, well, you know, her son's fine now, right? Like he's not that PDA anymore. And I just want to emphasize, like, I still have this choice point and this is a practice. So this morning, so my husband was gone for two days for work and that was going on in the background. So that obviously stresses out everybody in the family, including me, because we have a very like, we have a rhythm and my husband is like the primary nervous system for my older son. And I usually am focused on the four-year-old, but we couldn't exactly do that for the two days he was gone. And this morning I, unlike the usual, was taking my son and my younger son to their Montessori school and their accommodation, which looks from the outside like terrible parenting, is we get to have um, ice cream on the way to school, right? And for me, it's always cost benefit. I'm like, first of all, there's some dairy in that for my older son. And the benefit is high because he's like feeling safe on the way to school. But that's not the story here. The story is, you know, the kids are in the back, they're eating the ice cream, we're listening to ninja kids. I'm trying to be like, Casey, like, who cares about your sensory response to, to like the terrible singing on ninja kids? Um, stay focused, you know, getting to school because I'm helping with the service dog. And my son, the older one, the PDA one is like, mama, right? And that usually means like, I need help with something. So I reach back and he gives me his, um, the part, what's the wooden part of the, of the ice cream. And I'm like, okay, you know, the kids do that. But then he's like, mama, and I'm like, okay. So I reach back and then he drops into my hand, like a whole pile of ice cream. Right. And I'm driving on the highway. So I'm like, what am I going to do? And, and my nervous system and frustration was immediately like, what the heck, you know? And then I could feel him getting activated, right? That choice point where I had in my head been like, I need to teach him that he shouldn't just drop ice cream into my hand because it's unsafe while I'm driving on the highway, right? However, because I have this practice going, I, I like could step back and I had meditated. So I like was in a good mindset and I was like, okay, he's activated, right? Because of my response to him. And so I was like, I threw the ice cream out the window 
And I was like, oh my goodness, that was so slimy. Like, I can't believe, like, I wasn't expecting to have ice cream in my hand. And so I used humor and I got myself into a position of like, Casey, you're activating or or accommodating, right? Like, this is a choice point. And so instead of setting a boundary, I decided, like, I can accommodate this, right? So he started laughing and when laughter is going on and they're having fun then we know we're not in like the trauma zone and so even though i do set boundaries and i do make decisions around limits i i often every minute of every day and it's become a practice i'm thinking about like am i activating or accommodating and like the old me would have been like he can't just throw ice cream at me while i'm on the highway But when you understand your child's brain and the long game, then you can continually use these moments as opportunities, right? Instead of viewing them as like, oh my gosh, this is so annoying. I now think of it as like, I can, I have an opportunity to put a coin in the trust bank and in the nervous system regulation bank. And then they walked into school. Great. And like, granted, when I, when he was in burnout, I had to be so much more cognizant of this and I had to learn how to do it. Thank you for sharing your energy and time with me. I know that, you know, there's a million things you could be paying attention to right now, but um, I think that you guys are awesome. I want you to know I am in the trenches too, right? Like I struggle with a lot of this too. So, so I hope that my Instagram hasn't come off as like, I've got this all figured out and now just do what I did. Um, but rather I want to teach you some of the methods and help you work through the mindsets to get you to a place where this becomes more second nature. All right, guys, I hope this was helpful and I will see you again soon. Thanks everyone for being here with me at the At Peace Parents podcast. This is your source for all things related to understanding, supporting, accommodating, and advocating for your PDA child. To go deeper on any of these topics, check out my course offerings and masterclasses at the website www.atpeaceparents.com. To completely transform the way you think about and relate to your child and to bring peace and stability to your home, join us for the next cohort of the Paradigm Shift program. Enrollment is now open until January 11th, 2023.